Chapter Eleven of California Sketches by Oscar Penn Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Stewart. I first met him in New Orleans in February 1855. He was small, sandy-haired, and whiskered, blue-eyed, bushy-headed, with an impediment in his speech, rapid in movement, and shy in manner. We were on our way to California and were fellow missionaries. At the advocate office on Magazine Street he was discussed in my presence. "'He won't do for California,' said one who has since filled a large space in the public eye. "'He won't do for that fast country. He is too timid and too slow.' never did a keen observer make a greater mistake in judging a man stuart stood with us on the deck of the daniel webster that afternoon as we swept down the mighty mississippi taking a last lingering look at the shores we were leaving perhaps forever and gazing upon the glories of the sunset on the gulf i remember well the feelings of mingled sadness and curiosity and youthful hopefulness that swayed me until just as the twilight deepened into darkness we struck the long heavy sea-swell and i lost at once my sentiment and my dinner seasickness is the only very distinct remembrance of those days on the gulf seasick seasicker seasickest stuart succumbed at once he was very sick and very low-spirited one day in the caribbean sea he had crawled out of his hot stateroom to seek a breath of fresh air under the awning on deck he looked unutterably miserable as he said to me do you believe in presentiments yes i do was my half-jocular reply so do i he said with great solemnity and i have had a presentiment ever since we left new orleans that we should never reach california that we should be caught in a storm and the ship and all on board lost i have had a presentiment i answered that we shall arrive safe and sound in san francisco and that we shall live and labor many years in california and do some good now i will put my presentiment against yours he looked at me sadly and sighed as he looked out upon the boiling sea that seemed like molten copper under the midday blaze of the tropical sun and no more was said about presentiments he was with us at greytown where we went ashore and got our first taste of tropical scenery and where we declined a polite invitation from a native to dine on stewed monkey and boiled iguana the iguana is a species of big lizard highly prized as a delicacy by the nicaraguans he enjoyed with us the sights and adventures of the journey across the isthmus this was a new world to him and us and not even the horrible profanity and vulgarity of the ninety roughs who came in the steerage from new york could destroy the charm and glory of the tropics among those ninety drinking swearing gambling fellows there were ninety revolvers and as we ascended the beautiful san juan river flowing between gigantic avenues of lofty teak and other trees and past the verdant grass islands that waved with the breeze and swayed with the motion of the limpid waters the volleys of oaths and firearms were alike incessant huge lazy rusty-looking alligators lined the banks of the rivers by hundreds and furnished targets for these free and easy americans who had left one part of their country for its good to seek a field congenial to their tastes and adapted to their talents 
the alligators took it all very easy in most cases rolling leisurely into the water as the bullets rattled harmlessly against their scaly sides one lucky shot hit a great monster in the eye and he bounded several feet into the air and lashed the water into foam with his struggles as the steamer swept out of sight the sport was now and then enlivened by the appearance of a few monkeys at whom or which the revolvered americans would blaze away as they the monkeys clambered in fright to the highest branches of the trees whiskey profanity and gunpowder three things dear to the devil and that go well together ruled the day and gave proof that north american civilization had found its way to those solitudes of nature birds of gayest plumage fluttered in the air and on either hand the forest blazed in all the vividness of the tropical flora now and then we would meet a bungo a long narrow river boat usually propelled by oars worked by eight tawny fellows whose costume was a panama hat and a cigar despite their primitive style of dress their manners contrasted favorably with the fellow-passengers of whom i have spoken but i must hurry on nor suffer this sketch to be diverted from its proper course how we had to stop at night on the river and lie on the open deck while the woods echoed with the revelry of the roughs how we were detained at fort castillo and how i fared sumptuously being taken for a padre how i didn't throw the contemptible little whiffet who commanded the lake steamer overboard for his unbearable insolence how we landed in the surf at san juan del sur and got drenched how we rode mules in the darkness how nearly we escaped a massacre when a drunken american slapped the face of a native at the halfway house and got stabbed for it and five hundred muskets and the ninety revolvers were about to be used in shooting how we averted the catastrophe by a little strategy and galloped away on our mules the ladies thundering along after in concord wagons how at midnight we reached the blue pacific and gave vent to our joy in rousing cheers and how in due time we passed the golden gate in the night and waked up in san francisco harbor may not be told farther than what is given in this paragraph stuart was sent to the mines to preach this suited him some men shrink from hardships he seemed to dread only an easy place walking his mountain circuit sleeping in the rude miners cabins and sharing their rough fare he was looked upon as a strange sort of man who loved toil and forgot self such a man he was his greatest joy was the thought that he could do a work for his master where others could not or would not go it was with this feeling that he took the work of agent for the church paper and the college and wandered over california and oregon doing what was intensely repugnant to his natural feelings he once told me that he had been such a sinner in his youth that he felt it was right that he should bear the heaviest cross the idea of penance unconsciously entered into his view of christian duty and when he was roughing it in the mountains in midwinter his letters were most cheerful in tone in the city he was restive and the more comfortable were his quarters the more eager was he to get away he had fits of fearful mental depression at times when he would pass whole nights rapidly pacing his room with sighs and groans and tears his temper was quick and hot 
at a camp meeting in sacramento county he astonished beyond measure a disorderly fellow by giving him a sudden and severe caning after it was over stewart's shame and remorse were great everybody else however applauded the deed he had seen service as a soldier in the mexican war and was noted for his daring but now that he belonged to a non-combatant order he was mortified that for the moment his martial instincts had prevailed his moral courage was equal to any test no man dealt more plainly and sternly with the prevalent vices of california nor dealt more faithfully with a friend many a gambler and debauchee winced under his reproofs and many a methodist preacher and layman had his eyes opened by his rebukes but he was tender as well as faithful and he rarely gave offence he loved and was loved by little children and there is no stronger proof of a pure and gentle nature than that he was a protestant carmelite shunning ease and glorying only in what the flesh naturally abhors he would have been pained by popularity in the usual sense of the word any unusual attention distressed him and he always shrank from observation except when duty called him out a graduate of davidson college north carolina and a graduate in medicine he was more anxious to conceal his learning than most men are to parade theirs but the luster of such a jewel could not be hid and that popular instinct which recognizes true souls had given stuart his proper rank before his fellow preachers knew his full value when the war broke out in eighteen sixty one stuart was preaching in los angeles county the roar of the great conflict reached him and he became restless he felt that he ought to share the dangers and sufferings of the south in reply to a letter from him asking my advice i advised him not to go but in a few days i got a note from him saying that he had prayed over the matter and felt it his duty to go he was needed in the hospital work and he could not shrink i doubt not there was a subtle attraction to him in the danger and hardship to be met and endured the next news was that he had started across mexico to the rio grande alone on horseback with his saddle-bags bible and a hymn-book shortly after crossing the mexican border he fell in with a man who gave his name as mcmanus who told him he was also bound to texas and offered his company stuart consented and they rode on together in what proved to be the path of fate to both on the third day that they had journeyed in company they stopped in a lonely place under the shade of some trees near a spring of water to rest and eat as usual stuart read a chapter or two in his pocket bible and then took out his diary and began to write mcmanus now saw the opportunity he was seeking seizing stuart's gun he placed the muzzle against his breast and fired he staggered back and fell the life-blood gushing from his heart and with a few gasps and moans he was dead the last words he had just traced in his diary were these lord jesus guide and keep me this day providence has presented to my mind no greater or sadder mystery than such a death for such a man mcmanus rode back to the little town of rosario scarcely caring to conceal his awful crime among the desperadoes with whom he associated 
he rode stuart's horse and took with the well-worn saddlebags the bible the hymn-book and the eight hundred dollars in gold which had led him to commit the cruel murder a small party of texans happened to be passing through that region who hearing what had been done arrested the murderer but mcmanus's mexican friends interfered and forced the texans to liberate him but the devil lured the murderer on to his fate he started again toward the rio grande still mounted on the murdered preacher's horse and again he fell into the hands of the texans what befell him then was not stated definitely in the narrative given by one of the party it was merely said mcmanus will kill no more preachers this does not leave a very wide field for the exercise of the imagination stuart was buried where he met his strange and tragic end of all the men who bore the banner of the cross in the early days of california there was no truer or knightlier soul than his End of chapter 11